Hi, my name is Jay Paul. You're listening to the Jay Paul Hernandez podcast, powered by Podcast Network Asia and Podmetrics. Inspiring the next generation is really exciting. With me today is a wonderful guest. I met her on Clubhouse and and what she's doing is really inspiring. She takes something so familiar to a next level thing. And I personally believe that education needs an overhaul on a systematic level, not just in the Philippines, but globally. So with that being said, I'm so excited to to interview or talk to Deirdre Conde, the founder and CEO of Liap.ph. Hi, Deirdre. Hi, Jay Paul. Thank you for having me here. And thank you for inviting me like that. Us meeting on Clubhouse was totally random, but I think that's pretty much the app, right? Like getting to know people. So thank you yeah. so much for inviting me here. Yeah, I really am enjoying Clubhouse. At first, I couldn't understand it, but now more and more, it's, oh, wow, I, I really like it being there. It's like LinkedIn. So you really get to meet people who you know are passionate about something. Yeah, it's like a virtual networking event, which we kind of lost in the past year. And even as an introvert, I missed it. So even just being in a room full of like passionate people with lots of insights, lots of people to learn from, I think Mm -hmm. is something that a lot of us missed during quarantine. So I'm happy for the app. Yeah, yeah. So before I talk to you or ask you about stuff that you do, can you share more about your name? What's the history of your first name? Because a lot of Filipinos won't be able to, um, it's, I'm probably sure it's the first time they'll hear about it. Yeah, so okay. Yeah, that's a very unique point about me, my name. It's Deirdre. I follow the uh, the pronunciation of the Beach Boys, but actually in Europe, it's Deirdre. Um my parents actually didn't look into the meaning of the the my name when they decided on it. They just like saw it in the credit scene of like one movie and decided to name me that. But when I grew up, I researched on it and uh, my name actually means rage and suffering, which is kind of sad. But then um, I really liked because I was in a meeting one time, I told that fact. And uh, the person I was in a meeting with actually said, Oh, so you mean passion? Rage and suffering is basically passion. And then I I, I love that idea since the day that he told me that because all my life I thought like, oh, my parents didn't really think too much about my name, rage and suffering. But then now thinking about how it links to passion, it makes a lot of sense to me. So yeah, that's what Deirdre means, at least now to me. So, you know, passion is also related to fire. And is that where Liab comes from? Yeah, yeah interestingly, we weren't thinking of that as much. It was really just because, um, well, for me, part of the reason I really wanted to start Liab is because I saw how in the next generation, of, you know, the workforce that we have, um, there's so much potential there. Um, I've been working with a lot of people who are younger than me. And I've always seen how much potential there is. And part of what we wanted to do with the is like really just like spark that and empower that next generation to discover that fire in them. So kind of why we decided to call it Yab. Yeah. I love it. So everything falls into place and that's so wonderful. Not a lot of people have that privilege to just 
allow things to happen. A lot of people just have that that negative feeling towards life. But yeah, congratulations. Can you share more about Liab, um, what it is, and wh- why did you start it? Yeah, so actually, very a very, very, very early version of Liab was actually all about internships, right? Um, the early idea behind it was, um, you know how if you came from a popular school, whether or not you got an inter- internship or not, you know, employers are going to pay attention to your resume. That's pretty much it. But if you didn't come from a popular school um, and you don't have an internship, you lose lose an edge. And the likelihood of anyone even looking at your resume or considering your application goes down by a lot, right? So the idea behind it was we wanted to encourage startups. So we wanted to partner with startups uh, to take in interns and specifically probably encourage them to take in interns, not from popular schools, so that they gain experience and they get that kind of edge against, you know, um, graduates of more popular schools, I guess, uh, when it comes to job hunting after graduation yeah, already. Yeah. So that was kind of the idea behind it. And also part of it was because like we didn't like that internships were all like sometimes like, oh, get coffee or like fix the Wi-Fi, something like that. So we wanted to really um, make an internship program that was meaningful and and really like an internship experience that would ex- accelerate your career in, in the sense that if it's on your resume, people will be impressed. That sort of idea. But the problem was it didn't scale, obviously, because we were only limited by the number of, let's say, startups that we partnered with or like the number of interns that like they can take in, right? So we pivoted the idea to, you know what, if the whole idea is just making sure that this next generation has, uh, you know, the like gets attention from employers, right? Whatever school you came from. That was sort of the idea. Then maybe we should just um, focus on just getting them the support that they need, uh, resume-wise, interview-wise, you know, career advice-wise, uh, getting them resources and support for them to become more employable. So that was sort of the idea, and, and that's how Liab came to be. So we're now primarily like a career development platform, but heavily focused on career education and sort of career support. And, and that's what we that's what we do at the app. Wow. I honor you for, for what you're doing because not a lot of people would have that compassion. Even if it's a startup business, you need to have compassion to start something like that. So where does it come from? Where does the compassion come from? Where does the passion and compassion come from? Yeah, you know, when I talk about the idea, uh, a lot of people think like I came from a not popular school for me to feel so passionately about mm-hmm. it. Um, but on the contrary, like they, they're surprised when I tell them like, you know, I came from UP. I didn't do an internship and still it wasn't that hard for me to get a job when I graduated. So I understood what it was like to have that privilege of going to a popular school. So a big thing that motivates me is working with a lot of like talented, unconventionally talented. That's not what I'd call them. Like unconventionally talented people throughout my career that didn't come from popular schools. And I loved working with them and they're so brilliant. And it's like, and I worked in HR for a bit. Right. And even just like meeting people from schools I've never heard of and really just seeing how, how great they are. I'm always like, why, why aren't talent like this, you know, recognized enough? 
And so that was part of what made me want to work on that. But also, like on a very, very personal level, um, my younger siblings didn't graduate from from popular schools, right? So and and I know them very well, obviously, right? And I know how unconventionally talented they are. Um, so they're all younger than me. But I'm also like, I want a world of work where not only people like me, right, who came from a popular school are, you know, recognized, but even just like also paying attention to the unconventional talent um, and great talent and great potential yeah. that comes from from schools that aren't as recognizable. So that that's where it comes from also on a very personal level. I, 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 I can relate to you because my first job, I was uh, recruitment for a BPO. And I studied in a popular school and uh, Scholar Green. And, and, and my office mates, some were, were like, because they didn't, you know, some were medyo against me. Parang ibang tao, naghirap to get a good job. Tapos ikaw, yeah. yung, so yung pressure sa'yo. But then I realized ko, oh nga no, parang sometimes, you know, the big four schools, it's most, more than that, more than anything, it's the prestige. Mm-hmm. It's the prestige that the school says. Because I, I can relate. I have met, I, you know, my business mentor studied in a not popular school. Like I won't be an entrepreneur now if like I went my my popular school. Um, I will probably still be in corporate, and and that's gonna be my journey. So yes, I have learned so many things from people from not a popular school, and and why do you think we have a a Filipino culture? Na dapat UP Ateneo, Lasal, UST, or else nothing. Where does it come from? Part of it, I think, is like the quality of education, I'm so sad to say this, right, but the quality of education is not really um, standardized, I guess. So coming from a, a school that's that's very popular, the ones that make it to the world rankings, right, associated with quality very obviously, right? So the perception of employers is like, you know, I get a quality hire from a school that is recognized to have quality education, which is not to say that you know the the non-popular schools, not so popular schools, don't have quality education, right? But I think it's it's that perception that only the quality um, graduates come from from the schools with mm. with you know quote unquote quality education, and um, I think that's primarily it, uh, which is why a lot of the times I really encourage our learners at Yab to you know. Um, be more proactive with where they get their skills. I mean, which is not to throw shade about, you know, throw shade to their schools because obviously they're trying their hardest with whatever yeah. they can to educate yeah. the students, right? But um, there are so many sources also outside of school. We have, you know, blogs, podcasts, YouTube, as well as well as like free online like learning courses where they can get skills. And also a big premium also on internships for example or volunteer experiences where you really get to practice that um i i encourage them to take opportunities like that because well well, let's face it we can't have just like one source for our education and i think that's what one of the things that i really appreciate about this pandemic if there's anything to be appreciated about this pandemic it's like people are starting to realize that education on a let's say institutionalized sort of setup or traditional 
setup um, does need a bit of revisiting. I wouldn't say overhaul, but really just revisiting its strengths and its weaknesses and augmenting those weaknesses with, uh, you know, whatever is available elsewhere. Um, that's something that I've observed very, very much in the past year. I have been learning so much too, and I really hope people have been. I have nothing against Netflix or or just what TV binging, but you you have to also set at least an hour or thirty minutes to like really educate because after this pandemic, there will be so many jobs that will look differently because mm-hmm. a lot of companies have automated and and people will still be employed, but on a different look what do you think i definitely agree with that and actually um so just we have a community on on facebook right where we call it the career support and just yesterday i asked about you know it's been a year into this pandemic how have you been and a lot of them are really sharing where they had to pivot delay or you know their plans And really thinking about, you know, the industry that I wanted to join is kind of hip. So I have to think of like how to rescale, how to adapt. And and so that's very true. The world that we might come back to will look very, very different. And so will the world of work. And actually, more than that, how we do things. You know, um, it used to be that people thought that, okay, we need to be in the same office to even just like work properly together. And now we've been working a year remotely right which honestly is super cool because it now opens us up to a lot of opportunities outside of the country even without having to leave i think um one of the things that was a boom a few years ago or i know well decades i guess um or (laughs) when we were like doing ofws right because um let's face it the pay abroad really helped in in for example like the income of a household and everything And but let's not remove the fact that there is like factor of homesickness, being away from the people that you love, right? So, but just to earn, you know, a dollar salary, that's what we do. But now because of you know the popularity of the remote setup, a lot of us don't have to consider leaving home anymore yeah. just to be able to tap into that source of income, which I think like in particular, so so Leah. Focus in particular um, focuses in particular to in the Gen Z generation. Well, the Gen Zs, and what I've noticed is a lot of them are like freelancing now while they're in yes. school. Yes. Yeah, and their clients are are from people not from here, uh, people from abroad, and so that's something that they've been able to tap into without having to leave home, without having to yeah. leave school, right? Which is, I think, is so great for them. And I'm really excited for what they will be bringing into the workforce once they officially join, right? You know, I'll be, that's really funny because I was just noticing like four, five people have been messaging me. There's college students asking me how to start a business. And I was like, are they trolling me? (laughs) And then like, they're really legit interested. And of course, they were very honest. Sir, this is what we can afford, what we this, what we cannot afford, this is what I can do. It's like, okay, so here's what I suggest. And that's really amazing. Um, the next generation is is really cool. Uh, I actually, with that, I want to ask you, uh, so I'm elder millennial, and I think you're <laughs> younger millennial. Yeah. And, and, and then you're talking to um, Gen Z. 
months. And those are just like five, five years each um, gap. But uh, there are so many differences already that I, similarities and differences plus learning styles. Can, can you share more on your experience with like 30s and up, late 20s, and then the, the like college to young 20s? Yeah, I think part of that, um, uh, just to relate it to this, to what you said about, you know, parent college kids approaching you because they want to start a business, right? I'd credit a bit of that to the K to 12 curriculum that was introduced, right? So I, I obviously never went through it because I, I'm, you know, younger millennial. And, but what I've seen is that with this K to 12 curriculum was really designed for three sort of exit paths, you know, um, First is education, so you go to college after. But they're also equipping the students to, you know, if you want, you can be employed after, right? So you can go to employment after. Or entrepreneurship, very interestingly, right? You finish senior high 18 and then, you know, go to entrepreneurship, right? Yeah. Which is, um, and they do have classes that support them. If they want to go, you know, employment or entrepreneurship, they have. That's part of the curriculum, which I think is great because we didn't have that. We didn't have that um, when we were in high school. It was really just like everyone was sort of finishing. Most of us were really going through high school with the intention of like, we're going to college. We're going to college and we'll figure it out after we graduate college, right? <laughs> um, so part of, part of the difference I'd actually credit to that, our education system, which is a testament to how influential an education system is. Thank you, Brother to, Armin. <laughs> to a to a generation, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So there's that. I think that's a big, big difference because they're already like high school, palang considering you know what what would it look like if I actually go work after or or start a business after something that I haven't considered when I was their age. So that's one big difference. Another thing I think is um, so Gen Z's been dubbed also as the anxious generation. And I've really observed that. Well, millennials were like the burnout generation, which, you know, I feel it, you feel it. Yeah, but the Gen Z, they've been dubbed the anxious generation. And I've really observed that in terms of like the quality of conversations that I have with them, the worries that they have with job hunting and where to take their careers were things that I didn't consider when I was job hunting. Like to the smallest thing of like, Nag-reply ako siya HR um, at 10 p.m. Okay lang ba yun? Sort of, sort of thing. Or like, to the smallest detail. Or nearest ko yung interview ko. Wala na ba akong chance to get hired? Th- those sorts hey, of questions. Eh. Feeling niya siya boss eh. <laughs> Right? Meanwhile, the, the Gen Zs, they're so anxious. They're so worried about a lot of different things. And I'm pretty sure this pandemic has compounded that even yeah. further. Yeah. Um, so that's one big difference that I've also seen. Um, they are an anxious generation, which is why part of you know me is like really glad that Liab exists for them because I went into it, you know, just thinking like, okay, I'm gonna provide them with the career support that I would have wanted when I graduated, mm-hmm. and that's pretty yeah. much it, or like the career support that I would want my younger siblings to have. But Getting to know them on a deeper level just made me realize how crucial what we're doing is because they, some of them um, don't have an ate, don't have a kuya, don't have a family member who's who's gone to college. Some of them are first-generation college 
um, college grad graduates, wow. meaning they're the first in their family, diba? So where are they gonna get the support that they need? Where are gonna who are they going to talk to about their decisions? Um, especially coming from a, an anxious generation. So that's part of the reason I'm glad we exist. Um, wasn't something I intentionally went into. Um, I didn't go into Tuliab intentionally being that sort of figure for them. Um, but I'm I'm glad we exist now. And especially the community that we've built, right? Because it's not just me. It's a community of people, community of like older professionals or let's say about younger millennials um, or older millennials even giving advice to this next generation that they wouldn't have connected otherwise. So that's one of the, the I think the things that I'm I'm really happy that you know I stumbled upon. I remember when I was in high school, a big chunk of my classmates wanted to be a nurse, or their parents mm. wanted them to be a nurse. And then I graduated 08, and that's I worked October. By 09, 010, every week I we were retrenching people because of the crisis, the economic yeah. crisis. It's really, really stressful. Um and as a millennial, I think you had, I had a feeling of I should save the world. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, and, and, and I wish I, I, we had Liab or something like that um, when I was like graduating college. Yeah, because a lot of what influences our decisions are, for example, you know, the opinions of our parents or what the, what the current world needs, right? Um, on one hand, it's a lot easier now to get the information about like what the current world needs. You only have to like Google search, you know, what are the emerging jobs thanks to COVID, that sort of thing. But part of it is also really, I think, revisiting that relationship with with our parents. I don't dive into this a lot because I don't want to like, you know, um, antagonize uh, parents that fault, way. Honestly, because. <laughs> No, no, I mean, I, I totally get it. They only want what's best for their children, right? But the problem is they're also kind of limited by what they know about the world we live in now and um, and their experiences, which are very, very different. They built their career when, you know, in a different time. They built their career in a different time. To its credit, but there was a time where the world really needed a lot of nurses. And so we reacted that way. But it's also a different time now. So I, I think a lot of it is also trying to get the information outside of like your immediate circle. Um, and parents also acknowledging. And this is something that I've, I've noticed. So to the credit of Gen Z parents also. Um, I, I can't say, I don't, I'm, I, I don't know if I can say the same for uh, no, parents of like millennial, for, of the millennial generation. But to the credit of the parents of the Gen Z, um, of the Gen Zs, they acknowledge that, that they don't know anymore what kind of like world of work um, awaits their children. So a lot of them uh, try as much as possible. So like just last month, we had a partnership with the school where we did a career orientation for senior high school students, like because we have like tracks and strands now. And it was something that the parents requested because they didn't go through a K-12 program and they're not entering a workforce in a pandemic, right? So it was also the humility of acknowledging I cannot provide the best advice to my child right now. Yeah. So how about we get that sort of support and information for them? So again, to the credit of like Gen Z parents, um, 
they are humble enough to recognize that they cannot provide all of the support for their children in that sense. And in your experience, now, now you're dealing with, with parents, the children, and it's, I think it's part of the job. Um, mm-hmm. What are your significant challenges or what were your significant challenges establishing Liab? So part at the time that we started, it was like pre-COVID. Pa. Um, so like a few months before the lockdown happened. Um, so in my head, like part of like the support that we just needed to give was like, okay, if you need, um, you know, career education content, you you know where to go to. That sort of idea behind it. But then, you know, the pandemic happened, and then suddenly we had to shift gears a little bit because one of the big fears is that I can't reassure them that there will be jobs because that's out of my control, right? And it was so hard to come for it an already anxious generation through a time like this that was a very very big challenge especially for me personally because um then that's when the doubt started creeping in right like can i actually help them through this i'm not sure if i'm you know if this is something someone can actually help them through um so that was a big challenge but how i was able to overcome that was really just getting to know each and every you know audience member um, the market that we're trying to reach, having a real relationship with them, hearing them out, right? Like accepting uh, messages and emails from them, them telling me about like their current predicament or their story. Na, mm-hmm. hey, I graduated this year, pero wala akong mahanap na trabaho, that sort of thing. Or, or ito yung gusto kong course sa college, pero dahil sa, sa nangyayari, parang feeling ko hindi na pwede. So having just that connection with them and being very candid with them, like telling them what I think, um, being very just supportive and of like their whole thought process just really helped me realize, you know, um, I don't have to be the number one expert at these things. In fact, in the background, when I would like reply to these emails, I would have like consulted the friend already. Like I, I would uh, get someone who's like, Mag-a-apply po ako ng trabaho sa Japan, pero hindi ko po sure kung ito po yung cover letter na okay. So like in the background, I'd be like messaging a friend in Japan who, who was able to land a job there. And I'd be like, okay, can you give me advice on uh, cover letters specifically for, for Japanese companies? And then they'd yeah. give me advice and I'd relay that, right? So I'm also grateful for like the people in my network, how helpful they are. Um, and it's me realizing that, you know what? I don't have to be the expert at everything but as long as i'm here to like take a stance that i want to help our audience i want to help our learners but also on the other side i'm humble humble enough to know that i am not the expert so i need help from someone else i think is um what helped me overcome that challenge because you know i don't i wouldn't even call it imposter syndrome when you're really truly self-aware that you're not the best person to help but if you are able to connect them to the best person who can help yeah. i think yeah. is is enough yeah. right so there that's uh that's one big i think personal challenge that i had but also on a on a on a business level because you know we're sort of like a, a career development platform right we connect them with people who can help and that's one of the things that i discovered along the way as well now, because i listened to them um I know in what areas they need 
mm. more personalized right. sort of help right. with. Yeah. I just want to honor you, Deirdre, for just because I've met a lot of people who are in training or uh, in an educational related business or online course business. And not to say anything negative about other people, but some are there for money. And <laughs> and you can really sense it. <laughs> but but I just really want to honor your compassion. And and I think it's really gonna bring you a long way um, to to whatever success that Leah becomes. And you as an entrepreneur, um, I really sense that, and I really feel that right now from you. Even if we're just talking online, and I just want the people to know know that that I really feel your compassion, and, and it's gonna. And I pray, I personally pray that it's gonna have its tremendous breakthrough someday because dude um you're the right you're the kind of person that should succeed in life yeah no i i honestly thought at the beginning of this that i was too nice for this um because um although i wouldn't consider them my competitors right but then it's like there are other businesses who try to do the same thing and honestly i'm super game to work with them like usually you'd, you'd be like gatekeep competitors and it's like no don't talk to my learner why would i keep our our audience from from accessing that no go ahead let's let's see how we can work together because at the end of the day for me it's like if they can offer a better product or better help yeah so i i was thinking that if our competitors again quote unquote competitors had a better product than we do and can provide better help, why would I gatekeep that? Or why would I keep our learners from getting that opportunity to get, you know, sort of better help? So that's that's all me. But also on on the business side of it, like you don't want to keep making a better product to the point that it's your competitive advantage is not, you know, keeping your competitors away from your audience, but really just providing sort of better help. Uh, another thing I wanted to share in this journey that was very difficult for me um, especially thinking that, oh no, am I too nice for this whole business thing? Because I was so scared to make money. I was so scared to make money because I was like, am I am I being predatory? Am I? I mean, this is an already anxious generation, and I'm, I'm asking them to pay for the help that we provide. Parang, uh, I was really really worried about that. But one of the things um, of of close friend told me about it when I shared with him what I was thinking of it was like. No, you have to think of it from the perspective of um, you are doing this so that the business stays alive because the business needs to stay alive for those people who cannot afford these sorts of services. Because we do have like free webinars and then free events for a lot of people. So whether or not there are, you know, a, a formal learner with the job or a customer that we have, we provide these resources for them. And so that's if we want to keep providing these free resources to the people who cannot afford them, then we have to charge for the charge the people that can afford them so that we can sustain this business. Part, that was part of the, you know, the thinking that comforted me throughout. Because on a on a very personal level, I'm not a like make money at all costs sort of person. Um, it's not my thing. And so I was very scared coming into it as CEO and thinking na, will this business die because I'm scared to make money? Um, but uh, a good friend really just like shared that tidbit with me. 
And I always now take the perspective of, you know, I'm doing this so we can help more people so that the business stays alive and we can reach more people. I don't know if you have thoughts on that, though, because it's like something I always like, you know, hearing other people's insights on. Like, is that the sort of thinking that will help me get through this? Or like, is there a different perspective that I should be taking as well? But something that's just been on my mind ever since this whole thing started, ever since we started the app. Yeah, I love it. I, I mean, I guess it's from like uh, founder to founder uh, yeah. conversation. Um, honestly, for example, I would do what I do for free. It's just also, it also dawned on me as a CEO, it's my responsibility as also chief person officer or chief people officer mm-hmm. that I should give a better life to my employees. So I have actually talked to my co-founders and, you know, I made everyone promise that we will not cheapen our business Mm -hmm. because our dream, my personal dream, it became a business. The dream of the whole company is that our employees will retire with the house. Like Mm -hmm. they'll be able to afford, because it's a very Filipino thing, eh? Yeah. So... Hindi kami magbibigay, pero we've, we've figured out something for our employees that they can afford their house. They can, we'll, we'll teach, I, I personally teach my staff to invest. And, and really, like, whether you stay with us or not, I believe it's my responsibility as your CEO to prepare you to have a better life. And that's why we, I also do this, this podcast because I really want to educate people that, yes, you can have a better life. And, and the more that you um, think small or think na ito ka lang, the less the blessings fall to everyone. So, so that's my take. Um, of course, I, for me, money is not the main motivator. It is an outcome of great service and a great product. So it's just really a blessing. And I'm really grateful that we get to do what we get to do. That's true. That's true. Yeah, I guess, well, I, as I was sharing with you, I think before we started recording, <laughs> that there are only two people working full-time <laughs> only of right now. So it's kind of like, part of it is, of course, I want to I wanna provide a better, definitely better life for like my one employee. Yeah. Um, but it does it does feel like has to be bigger than ourselves, talaga, no? yeah. Um, and we and you really have to go into, I think, a business like this. Nah, it's really more than yourself. At the end of the day, yeah. um, I I see what I do as like like a bit of like service, talaga. Um, because you know, the we could be doing anything else, something easier. <laughs> Entrepreneurship is so not easy, um, but going into it knowing that it's for a mission and not because I want to walk out of this a millionaire. Um, but really, I just want to walk out of this, like creating a sort of, or designing at least a better life for the people that we affect, I think is the more important motivator. Love it. I love it. Yeah. And, and I, that's why I guess our generation as millennials, we're more into collaboration and then and then younger um and that's why parang weird may ibang tao nagiging negatively competitive it's okay to feel competitive pero hindi uso na hindi na kasi yung baby boomers to gen x talagang it's 
magkahiwalay tayo. Pero ngayon, iba na eh. Talagang we can collaborate. Like, the, when you joined our clubhouse, Francis and I, we pitched to the same companies. <laughs> Tapos wala na lang samaan ng loob. Or sometimes, he would get me, I would get him, whatever. And I, I guess, siguro now, correct me for him, or just let me know what your your thoughts are. Now, our, our, our generation and the next generation must open to talk about awkward stuff or things na medyo dati taboo na money, uh, relationship work, ganyan. Dati kasi parang hindi. That's, that's my, my thinking. I agree. And honestly, one of the initiatives na we started very early on in the abyss, um, we started a large, uh, sort of large-scale first pay survey where, okay, it's an anonymous Google Sheet, submit like how much you were offered in your first job. And so a lot of people were contributing to that and actually helped a lot of um, uh, Gen Zs, for example, like the audience that we have in Niab, um, negotiate their job offers. And that wouldn't have been a thing if like, you know, we kept quiet about how much we were making. Um, it, so that was one of like the things that I really saw that they were willing to share this information with others because it, they know it's not necessarily going to help them, right? But it could help others, yeah. and that's very important in what I've seen in this next like Gen Z and sort of like millennials too, right? Another thing I think is um, our openness also with like mental health. Mm, A lot of it right. is that's right. Yeah, because for example, um, you. If it's like Gen X or Boomer, they don't really openly talk about it, worries or or the stress that they've been feeling. Versus in 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 our community, for example, in the Be Upgrade Support Group, we openly talk about the things that we've been feeling, even if it's not the best sort of feelings that we have. Like I would yeah. be open with them talking about like, hey, you know, lately I've been been feeling jealous trying to admit that you've been feeling jealous of how other people are um coping during the quarantine and how it like i've been personally struggling for me to be vulnerable like that knowing that it's the audience that's supposed to trust me with career advice and then just being vulnerable like that but but it's something that is valued especially by millennials and gen z's in their leaders they Mm -hmm. value that because we we I think have gone past the whole like trying to look perfect for everybody else, trying to to show this um this image that I am successful, I do not make mistakes. <laughs> but but we we I guess gravitate more towards leaders and and I think like trust leaders um who are more open about what they're going through, again, vulnerable and it also in return gets that same sort of vulnerability. Right. You also don't want an employee who hides everything from you. Or so just having that, I guess the word I'd use like psychologically safe space for for both like leaders and and, you know the people very early on in their career to be able to share that. Um, I think is what the millennial and Gen Z generation are trying to foster now, which is what I think shows the big difference between you know boomer and gen xers um and then millennial and gen z because if you are not in a psychologically space a psychologically safe sort of environment you know what makes you think that you can be open about um what you're struggling with hence the whole 
like competitive nature of things with the with the older sort sorts of generations because I have to be you know I have to be perfect wala kong flaws so we're always like competing with like our achievements and and whatever else we have versus just having real connections with people because we're in a psychologically safe space with them with your experience and journey as an entrepreneur how have you changed as a person what has how have you transformed oh well i feel like i've aged 10 years <laughs> um there's that i i feel really old now and to think that i'm just in my 20s i i brought it up a, a few days ago when i hosted the room in in clubhouse and when we were talking about like what it's like working for philippine startups right um part of what we what we talked about is that it helps you get a bit of like professional maturity and that's what this entrepreneurial journey has really given me professional maturity i'd say but even i think um on some level personal maturity uh, a lot of it is like i went into it thinking that i can do everything on my own shampre the ceo you're like all around like Whatever, kung diver ka, diver ka, de ba? Um, lahat na lang. No job is below you. But yep. if you're like the CEO of a small company, de ba? Um, and that really, at first, parang I had a lot of pride in being able to do a lot of the different things in the business. Na kaya ko to magisa. Um, but along the way, it was really. Um, me discovering the weaknesses that I have, like coming face to face with that. Na yeah, kaya ko gawin to, pero hindi maganda, eh. hindi magaling yung trabaho. So um, it was also recognizing that someone else can do it better than you, and if someone else can do it better than you, then ask for their help. So it was really that the humility to ask for help as well. I like you know, I guess that's. Pretty much it. This whole entrepreneurial experience really humbled me to a level that I never, I never really uh, felt before. Um, because I've always been in environments where um, I can do it better, I can do it all, that sort of thing. But to be in this journey and you know, not compare myself to anyone else, and then suddenly realizing, you know what, I am not that good. Mm-hmm. Um, In in a specific area, so like just to share, I am the worst at like sales pitches. <laughs> I am not the best at that. I'm like my my strength is really not in woo. So it was also just like getting advice from people who I know are very good at it, or getting help, getting help in that area as well, um, was very eye opening for me. Yeah, that I. I That's pretty much, I think, like how it helped me grow a lot. Um, really, hum- the experience, and it still does to this day, humbles me. Wow, wow! Thank you, thank you for that vulnerable honesty, and I think that is really strength and the strength we need now during this pandemic and and life after this. It's really time to stop uh, being proud and egoistic, and this is me. This is what I have done. But really, be true. What you can and can't do, so that probably there's a a way for us to do to get something together. Let me share something that there was somebody who reached out to me on LinkedIn and from another country, and they were offering the services. And I said, um, to be honest, uh, I, I like what you're doing, but that's also 
where we want to go, we will, we will be your competitor. And, you know, the CEO reached out to me after that said, hey, why don't we just partner up? Oh, wow. And then we're actually doing something together now. We, we're just, we're about to like publish it in the next coming weeks. We're just um, finalizing some paperwork. And I don't think that would happen if I was just proud and say, I don't need it. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, which, I, again, is a testament, I think, to how different uh, millennials and Gen Zs really operate in this world. Eh? Really, like, we, we learn, I think, very early on in our lives that we are not the best. Um, I think it also comes with, like, the, the millennial generation is dubbed as, like, uh, the gen, what do you call this? The, the generation that gets a lot of medals, ganyan, yeah. set na, they want to be recognized for all the smallest things. But I think like the downside of that is really being hyper aware of the areas where we're good at and the areas we're not good at. Yeah. So we're able to recognize opportunities to work with someone better or work with someone who can help you. That's right. Galing. Um, yeah. So what is your... As as we as we end, Deirdre, what's your encouragement to just people trying to follow their dreams and um, you know just some someone like you trying, afraid, and just stumbling every now and then. Yeah, I think the biggest thing, and especially something that again I learned, is to know that there are people to help you. Um, one of the that's the biggest encouragement that a lot of the times in this journey whether you're like an employee or an entrepreneur you feel sometimes like you're alone in your struggles you feel like you're alone in your struggles you think that it's, it's only you um, who can who's going through this and it's only you who can help you through this but knowing when to ask for help and just being vulnerable also about what you're going through attracts the help that you need. Uh, it attracts the help that you need and attracts the support that you need. So uh, the encouragement there is really to not forget that you have support, um, that you have support waiting for you. I, I'm, I can't believe that this is what popped into my head right now, but it's like, it's, it's a quote from Harry Potter. I cannot believe, like such a millennial of me, no? Uh, where Dumbledore said that... Um, Help is always offered at Hogwarts to those who need it. Mm-hmm. And, and I think it's very, it's very true, especially for a generation like ours, where we're not hyper-competitive with each other, that help is there if you need it. And never, ever forget that. Like You don't have to struggle alone. Be open with what you're going through, and, and help will go to you. Wow. Thank you. Ah, Harry Potter, really, really powerful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it's really good. Um, the self-awareness is in the our generation onwards. My son is Gen Alpha, so he's three years old, and I'm now studying how because their native um, learning is not actually tactile, but actually touch. So I, I'm just really studying because of the iPad uh, and everything. And, and now I'm really studying on how will their generation learn and not to impose my insecurity or not to impose my learning limitation right now to what 
will they have during the time i was actually some parents don't like me for this and they because um, they were saying you know limit your son for tech it's like saying dude um by that by the time our kids be in high school or college like they like they're they're gonna be coding is such a normal thing or, or yeah. stuff like that i have to prepare him for that and 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 that's where we want to go we want to prepare him not for today but for what their future will <laughs> look like yeah no i was reading just to share i was reading an article i think like the other day um news article actually that says that we might be seeing the philippines might be seeing an oversupply of it talent in the next few years that's simply because of what happened now right and the shortage that we will be seeing is in stem um so that's that was a very interesting revelation to me because that's already a trend that i'm seeing with you know younger gen z's i don't know if they're still technically gen z's but like younger gen z's the ones in um pre-high school right where their parents are already it's like the new nursing <laughs> where, where some of the parents are already pushing them that you know hey go go take uh, an IT related course because that's where the money's at or that's where the job security's at but then um yeah it's 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 designing for something that we have now that we are seeing and again we if we are limiting ourselves to like what we're seeing now um it's not the best way to shape and empower that next generation um so yeah definitely agree with just being prepared for what can come next the jobs that existed like 10 years ago you know some of them don't exist now and the jobs that will exist 10 years 10 years from now don't exist now yep 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 you know i was um uh reading and i think mark cuban uh, was saying this that and some entrepreneurs after that that i that philo people creative people people that yung hindi my ai <laughs> the humanities the liberal arts will one day be paid more and i was mm-hmm. I, I couldn't swallow it at first but then now you know getting into we're moving because our business is going to tech so and now i see at 2021 2020 2021 there are already systems or companies who are providing no-code technology, like no yes. no-code programming. So, okay, paano pa kaya 20 years from now, it's going to be a totally different ballgame, tama? And, and I'm really excited for the future. And yeah, I, I actually, yeah, what about, what can you say about that? Um, should people be afraid of the future or not? No, I'm very excited all the time for what the future brings, right? Because I, um, I take a little bit of the optimistic side of it, knowing, again, like looking at like, this next generation of the workforce, right? And the ideas that they have for themselves. I, I was doing a, uh, a talk last month where a grade, I think like someone in senior high was sharing that their dream is for the animation industry in the Philippines to thrive. And I love that when they, when, when uh, that student shared that, I was so, so excited for the future, right? The sort of future that they see um, is so exciting to me. And so I'm not scared of it at all, especially if it's in the hands of this next generation. I am not worried at all, right? Um, if anything, I'm more worried that the longer we have um, the older generations direct where we're headed, um, I'm a little bit more worried about that 
the longer that we keep them, um, you know, powerful enough to direct where, uh, you know, companies, organizations, and or even whole nations are headed, I think will kind of worry me a lot more because they're a bit more detached from where we are now. And and I honor, like, for example, the companies that uh, I've gotten to meet over the past year who are who are led by Gen Xers, boomers, who are humble enough to listen to their younger younger employees, right? Or to their next generation of leaders. Humble enough to recognize, I don't know tech <laughs> as much as you do. And so, you know, if you have any suggestions and then they're very open to listening to that. So um really excited when I when I see that side of things, right? When I see Gen Xers, boomers really um, giving a chance to the future that uh, millennials and Gen Zs want to see. When I see the kind of future or hear about the kind of future that, again, millennials and Gen Zs want to see, that's what gets me excited about the future. Wow, that's that's so powerful. Thank you. Thank you, Deirdre. And you know what? I'm so surprised that we're already talking for an hour and I promise <laughs> you only 45 minutes. But thank you for making time for this. And I really appreciate it. Um, can you promote Liab? How can they reach out to you? How can they collaborate with you? How can people connect with you? Yeah, so we have a website, liab.ph. So all of the links that you need are there to our the link to our Facebook community. Join that if you are a Corinthian Gen Z and you want a supportive community to share your experiences with, we are so just check out liab.ph. We also have some career support services there. If you need immediate help on your resume or on like if you need a mock interview, we also have a few online courses. Uh, we have some free ones that you can easily access again from our website. And you can email team at liab.ph. So, so that's team, T-E-A-M. It's not my name, but I think that will be a harder time. Um, at uh, liab.ph. So that's L-I-Y-A-B.ph. Nice. So for everyone who wants to reach out to Deirdre, Liab, and just want to learn or connect or collaborate, especially, you know, this is a time for just helping each other. Um, I'm going to put her LinkedIn on the description box and you know find her on clubhouse that's how i met her thank you so much deirdre anything you want to say as you as you close no i just wanted to say thank you for this opportunity j paul and i really like this whole discussion and of course the discussion that we we have on clubhouse as well so um yeah i'm also there j paul's also there uh come join us sometime if you want uh really quality conversations with fellow filipino entrepreneurs and really passionate people that you can learn from so just thank you for this opportunity thank you so much and thank you everyone i i'm pretty sure you learned something and i just want to assure you that learning never stops you have to keep on growing because the moment you stop growing you'll start expiring i personally enjoy this conversation because I love learning and I was lazy at first, but you know, I, I love learning. That's why we have this podcast to just help Filipinos like you learn and, and succeed in life. So see you on our next episode and the best is yet to come. God bless.